I'm going to read verses 7 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. The Bible says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. May God bless His Word. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, You're so good to us. You're sustaining grace, your wonderful mercy, uh, your, your consoling spirit. We thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all comfort. I thank, that, I thank you that your grace is sufficient, that when we come to you, when we cast our cares upon you, when we flee to the cross, that you are there to minister to us. And uh, Lord, I thank you for this precious congregation. I thank you for the love that we have felt and, and sensed, and the prayers that have gone up for us and for my family. And I just ask you, Lord, to be glorified in everything. And may I uh, always respond properly and, and bring glory and honor to you. Thank you, Lord, that you, you're so gracious to us. You're so aware of our failures and our, our weaknesses. And yet you uphold us each and every day. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless this dear congregation today. Help me to rightly divide the word of truth. Help me to properly preach uh, and interpret the scriptures so that you would be able to feed us. Uh, that, that folks would not be getting my opinions or man's opinions, man's word, but that we would be getting your word today. And we ask your blessing. Use your word, Father, mightily. And again, we want to lift up Jonathan to you and thank you for this young man. And uh, Lord, what a blessing and seeing these young people grow up so quick. And we just pray that you'd be with him over the next few years and encourage his heart. Help him, Lord, during those, those trials. Uh, just may your presence be felt and sensed by him moment by moment. And we again commit him to you. And uh, thank you for this, the noble family. And we ask your blessing now today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3 again. Thank you for being here today. Was it raining as you were coming in a little bit? Okay. Be very careful on the way home. Philippians chapter 3. 
There's a passage here, part of what I read today, not all of it, but um, beginning in verse 11, really, Philippians chapter 3, verses 11 through 14, uh, is a text that has uh, come back to my my mind over and over again. Uh, I began, uh, I did a two-part series on Rejoice in the Lord Always, and then um, it was kind of a follow-up from that. I think it was last last week was on um, Consideration. And, and and these thoughts and the things from this text have, are kind of flowing uh, out of all this. And um, so today, and if we come back tonight, we're just going to do a two-part message one day uh, today. And it's picking up on this phrase, um, which is in verse 13. Paul talks about forgetting. And I want to talk today about forgetting Uh, The title of the message is, uh, How to Forget. How to Forget. Paul says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. What's Paul talking about? What does he mean, forgetting those things which are behind? There's a lot of things that he could be talking about. In fact, just... Just within this chapter of, of uh, Philippians, uh, there's different topics that he could be talking about. Uh, in chapter 2, in fact, he talks about the things that used to be uh, important to him, uh, his religious deeds and all. Uh, he could be talking about that. Uh, he's not, I don't believe. What he's talking about forgetting is more in the immediate context. You know, there's times when you and I need to forget. There's things we need to forget. Because sometimes our past, or sometimes looking back, can do no good for us. Not always, but sometimes. When we look back, it can cause us to take our eyes off of what we're supposed to be focusing on. I've used that phrase, and I I continue to use it. You know, don't look in the rearview mirror. Whenever I tell you not to look in the rearview mirror, please understand that I'm talking to myself first. I don't know what it is. What is it with the past, you know? Uh, So the title of the message this morning and then possibly tonight is How to Forget. And we're just going to be looking at this text. We're going to find out what is the context. What is Paul talking about when he says forgetting those things which are behind? Because what Paul is forgetting is what we need to forget. We're going to talk about that. And uh, so again, the message is How to Forget. uh, Three simple points that we're going to go over through the course of today. Uh, Number one is the first part of verse 13, the race is not over. Uh, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. The picture is of a race. He's running a race. If you're a believer, you are running a race called the Christian life. And uh, part two, first, so the first point is the race is not over. And then verse uh, 13b, which is this phrase, forgetting those things which are behind, uh, the title of that point is the ground covered is past. That's when he's when he's talking about looking behind. He's not talking about before he got saved and all his righteous deeds. Although he said, you know, he now counts them dung. Those things are nothing to him. But in the immediate context, he is telling us that you know the race that's behind us, the ground that we've already covered is past, and that's what can be a big stumbling block to us. If you and I spend too much time 
reflecting on what our past was since we became Christians, then you and I can have a major stumbling block. And then thirdly, um, and this is probably what we're going to mainly focus on tonight, if we have it tonight, because of the weather, uh, the prize ahead needs to be our focus. So many Christians get distracted by maybe reliving their past glory days as Christians that they become ineffective for God now. And God has us, He wants us, He's got things for us now. No matter what's happened to you in your Christian life, no matter how many people have hurt you, no matter how many successes, the grand old days, maybe you used to serve the Lord if you're older, maybe you used to serve the Lord in a bigger way when, you're, when you were younger, and you're reliving the glory days so much that you forgot you're, you're, you're looking behind you and you're no longer going forward for God. And that's a danger. The older we get, now I'm not old yet, but when I get there, I'm keeping that in mind. So let's, um, let's again go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for his blessing. Lord, thank you for this very, very dear congregation. Thank you for, uh, thank you for my mom and dad. Thank you, Lord, for the heritage they gave me to uh, raising me up to fear you. And uh, Lord, I thank you for their love for one another, their love for their children, their love for me. Uh, and I just pray um, that we honored them this, this past couple weeks. And thank you, Lord, for the, the bond that you've given me with my siblings through all this as we've gotten closer together and relied upon one another. Thank you for my, my brother and my two sisters. I just pray you bless them. And that you'd be glorified in the passing of my parents. Thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. Thank you that you know, you know what is best. And I pray that, Lord, that you would help help us now as we open your word. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So let's look uh, at Philippians chapter 3. Uh, Paul is, um, in fact, he's, he's talking about how uh, he gives his credentials in, in the beginning part of chapter 3. Circumcised the eighth day, verse 5, of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Paul was a Pharisee. Uh, in fact, he calls himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees uh, at one point. Here he says, touching the law, I was a Pharisee. And, and he lists what he used to boast in, his credentials, his religious deeds. Because like many religions, like many religious people, there is a mindset that, you know, if we're going to please God, we got to perform. We got to do religion. You know, there's a lot of things we have to do, whether it's keeping commandments or doing whatever creeds our church, you know, lists for us. But there's this mentality, there's this false thinking that we get saved by our good works. We don't get saved by our good works. And so Paul's listing these things because. He was working very hard to do his best so he could gain God's favor. But then he says, "But what the verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You see, here's the beautiful picture. Paul was trying to come to God full of good works. Like many of us, Paul and the old-time Pharisees and 
so many religious people have this idea that, you know, we're going we're gonna to get before God and hopefully we're going to have a big pile of good deeds. And hopefully that pile is going to be way bigger than those other things called bad deeds, sins, right? And how many people have this ingrained in them? You will never find a Bible verse that talks about this. There is a Bible verse that talks about heaping piles up, but it says all our righteousnesses piled up are its filthy rags. So I remember, you know, I, I mentioned this recently. I was going, to, thinking I'm going to stand before God with all my religious deeds and all my, all my acquirements and all my, you know, it's like, like we have to be accredited before God. And then I came to the cross. And then I understood it's not what we bring to God. It's what we get from Him. I mean, we need to come to God empty-handed. See, Paul was coming with, and he said, if, uh, Though I might have also confidence in the flesh, if any man think he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. This is his, this is his pre-Christ boasting. And then he gives it right here. Circumcised the eighth day. That was, that was the letter of the law for, for a Jew. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do it on the right day. And he, he did that. Um, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. These were all the things. It's like you know, Paul was going to go before God. Saul was his name. He's going to go before God and say, look at all I've done for you. You know what the Bible says? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. Why? Lest any man boast. That's what Paul was doing. That's what Paul was prepared to do. Lord, look at all I've done for you. I had that mentality. So many people do. Well, hopefully my good outweighs my bad, and you know, I'm coming to God with all this stuff. But folks, when you get saved, you, you come to reckon what Paul did. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I can't allow. It's like, he took, it's like he's going to God with all the stuff. And then when he realizes that all our righteousness are his filthy rags, he just throws it all away. It's like he just, I'm going to get rid of all that, and I'm just going to come empty-handed, and I'm going to receive what God did for me on Calvary's cross. I hope that's how you have come to God. No longer trusting in all those things you've done. And so Paul is saying that, Yea, doubtless I count, verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, do count them but dung that I may win Christ. See, folks, if you want to win Christ, if you want to gain Christ, it's not what you give to God, it's what you get from Him. I hope you have won Christ, which means... You're no longer trusting in all those things that maybe you trusted before. And then Paul said in verse 9, Be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. In other words, doing the commandments, keeping the ordinances, and following man's laws, or God's laws. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through, and here's the only requirement to get to heaven, through faith in Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's it. You come empty-handed, 
You take from God what Jesus did on the cross. And he said in verse 9, and I hope this describes you, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. I hope you're not trusting in your own righteousness, your own good deeds. Be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Now, now Paul's moving forward. And he says now, this is where it begins in verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. This is now, he's talking about there's a new race. There's a new goal. There's a new prize. And it's not by works. It's by faith. If by any means I might attain. See that word attain? That's going to be an important word because he will use it again. The idea is to achieve something that, not as the, or that I might attain under the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. Not as though I had already achieved or arrived. That's what Paul's saying. Either we're already perfect. But I follow after if that I might, if, excuse me, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend. There's another key word, two, two key words, to attain and to apprehend. That for which I also am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Now, when we get to this key phrase, forgetting those things which are behind, Paul is now in this present illustration of a race. And the race that is set before him, the prize is the resurrection. The prize is to be glorified in Christ, to be with him. And he's going to be talking about forgetting and how important it is that we understand that heaven is not of works. Not of works. Over and over again, the Bible says heaven is a gift. I want you to listen to these verses. In Romans chapter 5, just in three verses, uh, the word gift is used at least four times. Listen to this in in Romans 5. I'll just quote them. You need to listen. He says, But not as though the offense, so, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, Adam, many be dead, much more by the grace of God and the gift... By grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one the sin, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift. I mean, we're just we're, three verses here. Uh, in verse 18, Therefore by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Has this penetrated your mind and your heart sometime during your lifetime have you come to realize it's not about what you do it's about what christ accomplished he paid the penalty that we deserve he paid the price for heaven for eternal life and this word gift is used so many times in the new testament and it's a beautiful thing you and i can relate to gifts Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God 
is eternal life. It's heaven. Have you received the gift of heaven? I already quoted uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Here's the reason now why Paul changed his tune in Philippians 3. He was, in the beginning of Philippians 3, he was, he was boasting. He's like, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Uh, you know, circumcised the eighth day, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's listing all his credentials. He was boasting. Those were the things that he was counting on to get to heaven. And maybe some of you are, are trying to work your way. You're like, I hope I'm good enough. So many times when we witness, we say, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? You know what the most common statement, reply to that is? Over, and it's been that way for the 40 years plus I've been saved. They say, well, I hope so. And then you say, well, why should God let you into heaven? And they say something like this, well, I tried to live a good life. You know, that's, that's the typical answer. And that gives you an understanding that they probably don't understand this concept that heaven is not works. It's a free gift. And it's not works because when you go, when the person that is trying to get to heaven by works is going to be boasting on what they do. Always on their good works. Right? Hoping, hoping above hope that their good outweighs their bad. That is not how you get to heaven. Listen to this in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace. That's the gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, that's a satisfaction of our sin through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of Him, not which works as hard as He can, him which believeth in Jesus. And then Paul says this in Romans 3, 27. Where is boasting then? Same as Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Where's boasting? He says, it is excluded. If you're saved and you know you're on your way to heaven, you know that it has nothing to do with you and your good works and your performance. It is a precious, free gift. That concept of a gift has, has opened my mind since I heard the gospel first. It's the thing that really got hold of me when I understood the difference between trying and religion and getting saved. And I hope you've come to realize, I hope you have understood, it's nothing you do. You simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You allow Him to be your substitute. And so maybe you were coming, maybe like me, you were coming to God. If you, had, if you were religious, you were coming to God with all this stuff. Whether it was religious activity or just you were a good deeds doer. You know, some people, they're good works, they're good deeds. And you're, you're thinking, I'm going to come before God. And, oh, I sure hope my good outweighs my bad. Hopefully you've come to understand when, when you realize it's a free gift. And what's the nature of a gift? You don't pay for it. It's, it's, it's not you. You just take it. So I've loved, I've loved this story about a free gift for so long. And I just found out, I just learned something new. Um, talking about forgetting, because we're, we're talking about forgetting those things which are behind. 
Um, one of the definitions of to forget, because we're going to remember our key verse today, verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind. So the word forget in the Oxford English Dictionary says it's a noun. First, it's a noun. Uh, and it says to lo- lose remembrance, to cease to retain in one's memory. That's how we usually think of forgetting, right? The older you get, am I right? The more you forget. Okay? That's, when Paul says forgetting those things which are behind, he's not talking about memory loss. He's not talking about, oh, I forgot, what, what did I just do today? What, what did I have for breakfast? Do you ever find yourself asking that? Where did we, what did we do yesterday? I, I'm finding that. So, apparently, many years ago, my son got me a present for Christmas. And it was, uh, I had a flip phone. I had a flip phone for many years. And I heard they're coming back. I don't have a flip phone. So he gave me a, a cell phone flip phone case. Really nice. And it had a little clip here. Um, and he gave it for me years ago. And apparently I, I opened the present and I go, oh, this is awesome. I was so excited. I said, I can't wait to use this. And I really meant that when I said it. And then I set it aside. Ended up in a basket on top of the refrigerator, and I forgot about it. So my son noticed that. I thought, hey, great opportunity. Dad forgot. So he gets it out and wraps it for the next Christmas. <laughs> and my response, this is great. I can't wait to use it. I totally forgot that this is a regifted thing, you know? And sure enough, apparently... I set it aside, it ends up on top of the fridge, and the next year comes around, Garrett's like, hey, I, I didn't mean to say your name, Garrett, I was going to protect the innocent. <laughs> so he gets it out, wraps it again, and apparently he did this three or four years in a row. And every time I'm like, this is great, I can't wait to use it. And then I put it on top of the, you know, and then, and he just, in fact, as he was telling me this week, because he told me this week, I did not know that. He said, Dad, you know, you know about the, the cell phone case, right? I know, what about, I know, what cell phone case? Uh, for like three or four years in a row, Dad, I gave you the same cell phone case. I'm like, you're kidding me. He said, in fact, and he gets up, goes over to the kitchen on top of the fridge, and there it is. Much, very dusty, because you're talking about before I, you know, when I got rid of my flip phone, which was a couple years ago. But talk about forgetful. You know, that's, that's forgetting, not remembering, you know, and, and that's, we have those senior moments, and apparently I have them a lot more than I realized. That's, you know, how to forget. The title of our message, two-part series here, is not, you know, how to lose your memory. You know, we're, we're not talking that way. This Paul, when he was saying, forgetting those things which are behind, he wasn't saying, you know, what I do, I'm getting old. He wasn't claiming to be old, getting old here. He wasn't claiming that he was losing his memory, uh, that he got presents every year and forgot about him. He's not saying that. But he is saying something very, very important about, um, about his walk with, with Jesus Christ. And so what Paul was forgetting and what Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind... It's very important that you and I recognize what he was talking about because we need to do the same thing. If we want to fight the good fight, if we want to press on, 
if we want to set the course before us and and end up like Paul, being able to say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, then you and I need to also learn how to forget those things which are behind. But what did he mean by that? Now let's look again at Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 is, is our outline for today. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now he's picking up again on verse 12, or verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend. Okay, so verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. That comes from a a, a Greek word which has the idea of to take hold or to achieve. He says, I do not count myself as having already arrived. We would say that. I, I have not, I have not arrived where God wants me to be. I've not achieved. I I count not myself to have apprehended. And again, verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. So this is the race. And I hope you follow after. I hope you are following the things. I hope you're doing what Jesus said and laying up treasure in heaven. I hope you realize that this world, this earth, is not our home. We're just a passing through as we sing in, in the song. And we really are just passing through. And only what's done for Jesus Christ is going to last. And then he says, but I follow after if that I may apprehend. This is beautiful. If I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. The idea is to, to seize, to take hold of. Paul's Paul's talking about, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but that's where I'm aiming. I'm looking for, uh, in fact, he's looking for the blessed, the cross. But again, he says, that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ. So you got a twofold thing here. You and I are seeking to grab hold of something, to achieve something. What is that? Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the dead. But it's interesting because it it goes two ways. Again, I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. There's a beautiful picture in there. You know, just as you and I are to be laying up treasure in heaven, seeking those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, even as you are looking unto Jesus, setting aside every weight, and, and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as we are supposedly as believers pursuing Jesus Christ, if we are really His children, guess what? He is also pursuing us. This apprehended thing, He wants us to constantly seek to live for Him and grab, lay hold on eternal life. But while we're doing that as believers, He's apprehending us. He's coming after us. He's... He's seeking you. If you're a child of God, that's why I love Hebrews chapter 12. I have come to realize, you know, we've, we've led, led so many people to Christ over the years here. And, and, you know, I used to sweat it like, oh, no, uh, uh, did they really get saved? Oh, no, like I'm supposed to preserve them. I got to really. And I've come to realize, wait a minute, when God saves someone, they're in his hands. And, and the Lord's never, no one can pluck them out of his father's hand. And he's going to pursue those people, even if they go wayward. 
That's what Hebrews 12 is all about. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And I've seen it over and over again. Somebody makes a profession of faith, they go the way of the world, and they think, ah, oh, they must have not gotten saved. Uh, and the whole time the Lord's pursuing them and they're miserable, you know. And then finally they come back to the Lord and it's like, you know what? That's God's work. And that reminds me of this verse, which I love, in Philippians 1, this same book, verse 6. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of, of Jesus Christ. It's, it's his work. We're not, you know, we're not keeping ourselves in Christ. We're not trying, okay, hang on, don't let go of Jesus. No, he's got us. You're saved. He's got you. What a blessed thing it is. I want you to take your Bibles real quick. We have a few minutes here. I want you to take your Bibles. I want to go to a verse that we looked at on Wednesday night. If you were with us at prayer meeting, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. I've been thinking on this for quite a while. And uh, this brings out this, this same precious, precious truth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, Paul is writing about uh, when he, uh, in Acts chapter 17, uh, is where the, is where the, the um, church in Thessalonica was planted. Paul went into Thessalonica, and for three Sabbath days, he, opened, he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Uh, people got saved, a lot of people got saved, and then a bunch of people got upset. And they drove him out of that city in just weeks, maybe a month, maybe two at the most, but very short time. And it was enough to start a church. And now Paul's reflecting on that time when he went into that city for the first time. And he said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He said, For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which ye heard of us, you received it, in other words, you accepted it, not as the word of men. So when Paul and, and, and his cohorts came into Thessalonica and they preached, the people realized this is God's word they're preaching. This is not some man, this is not a, of, of human origin or a human message. They received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. What it really is, the word of God. You know, when somebody preaches the Bible, preaches the gospel, and they are accurately conveying the, the message of Scripture, they're not preaching their own ideas. Now, some people that preach, preach the Bible will use the Bible just like Satan quoted the Bible. But as we've said in our Bible study class so many times, the Bible says something, not anything you want it to say. It says something. It says what God intended it to say. And if you will properly interpret the Scripture using the principles that Jesus used and the disciples used when they quoted from the Old Testament, we're going to be getting the Word of God. And that's how they received it. And again, look at verse 13. Um, As it is in truth, what it really is, the Word of God, which, look at this last phrase, which effectually worketh also. In you that believe, which effectually worketh also. That's in the present tense. The other, the idea is, it is, it is also at work in you. So he's talking about when I first came and preached the gospel, you received it and it worked in you, and it's still working in you. That's the idea. But effectually worketh also in you that believe. 
It is also, it's at work in you right now. If you're a child of God, God's Word is at work in you right now. He, see, that's, he uses His Word. He, he uses the Scriptures. I close with this this morning. Before or during, rather, World War II, a young soldier was going off to war, World War II against the Japanese and his father was putting him on a train. And uh, as he waved goodbye to his son, he turned off the train platform. And um, with bitter tears, he said, If my son is killed, I hope every Jap in the world is killed. I mean, that was the bitterness. He just, he was, he was livid. Like, how dare you call, like, the, you know, the, but here's the thing. Again, I, if my son dies, I hope every Jap is killed. That's hatred, folks. That's anger. And here's the thing. He was a born-again believer. And even as he uttered it, no sooner had he gotten off the train platform, soon as it came out of his, out of his mind, when he thought that thought, and I think he uttered it verbally, the word which worketh in him began immediately and convicted him no sooner had he uttered that phrase and he knew he was dead wrong and and so over the next year in fact over the next few months god began to really work through his word to convict him saying that is not that is not the testimony of a a christian that's not something that that a follower of jesus christ will say and he felt horrible about it and he got right with god he confessed to God. He said, I know I'm a, I'm a believer and hatred has no place in my life. So over the next few months, as God dealt with him, he surrendered. A year after that, his son was killed in World War II. But because that young man, because that dad had, had allowed, because the word of God had worked in him, he had already gotten right with God. He already knew that attitude, that thought that I expressed when I put my son on the train is wrong. As soon as, as, soon as he got right with God, it was not that his, his son's death was easy. It devastated him as any parent losing a child. But he didn't harbor the bitterness. In fact, when he got the life insurance, he got like a $10,000 life insurance policy back then, which was really big. And he did, he, I think he determined he was going to do this if something did happen. He, I mean, this was a man that had, he dealt with it. So when he got that life insurance policy, he sent it off to one of the Baptist mission agencies that ministers to the Japanese. I mean, is that awesome or what? He said, you know what? I mean, that's, that's truly, uh, and that money went to win Japanese people to Jesus Christ because the word of God was already at work in him. So we're, we're talking today, hopefully tonight as well, about this race that is set before us. And, and now that we understand what Paul's talking about, what he's talking about it, it is just the picture of a race. And he is along the course somewhere. And he's, he's now saying, in light of this race, he's saying, forgetting those things which are behind. Not talking again about his pre-Christian days, He's talking about his his time as a believer. 
and you and I are going to have to get hold of this. Again, you got to come back tonight. Hopefully the, the, the weather holds up. Or you can listen to it online. We've got it so easy now, don't we? But please, a few of you show up. It's always nice to preach to people. I, I hated COVID, preaching to chairs. Just not fun. But you and I have to get hold of this idea that there are some things in our rearview mirror that we cannot be fixated on or they will bring us down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us uh, as we seek to attain, as we seek to strive, as the Apostle Paul did for the prize that is set before us. Uh, Father, that, that um, we thank you that your word is at work in us now. We thank you that he, you who performed a good work in us when we first got saved, will continue to perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. So, Father, help us to stop wrestling and help us to surrender to you. Uh, those of us that are saved, uh, Lord, we all, we all struggle at times. But, Lord, help us to surrender to you. And then perhaps, Father, there's folks here that have never been born again, and so they don't have the Holy Spirit in them to grieve when they sin, to convict them when they don't do right, to, to resist when they stop following your leading. So, Father, I pray for them that they would come to the cross empty-handed, throwing all their works aside, realizing that it's not by works, and that they would embrace and receive the gift which you provided through the death of Jesus Christ, and then have their sins forgiven. Father, help uh, anyone that is not saved to come to realize they must get saved before they can run the race and receive the prize. And we'll thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.